You are listening to the Ion New York podcast for the final week of November 2018. I'm Robert Harding, the Citizen's Political Reporter, and this podcast is presented by The Citizen. I hope you enjoyed uh, the Thanksgiving week. I certainly did. Uh, did some traveling. Uh, my advice would be to never travel on the Tuesday before uh, or the Sunday after Thanksgiving uh, if you don't absolutely have to, or at least on any sort of long distance. Uh, I drove to uh, Southern Virginia on Tuesday uh, before Thanksgiving and ran into some heavy traffic uh, south of D.C., uh, which is normally uh, busy anyway, but you mix the holiday with that, and it's even worse. And then uh, on the way back uh, on Sunday, uh, heading north on I-81, for some reason, uh, it was busy in New York. Everywhere else, it was fine. We left uh, the D.C. area Sunday morning, uh, pretty easy commute from there. Uh, through Pennsylvania, and then you know we hit right outside Binghamton, and uh, that's where the fun started. So, uh, but it's good to be back in New York, and good to be back uh, recording a podcast uh, today. You will hear from Onondaga County Elections Commissioner Dustin Zarni. Uh, I sat down with him for an interview uh, about a half hour long, uh, and we talked about uh, election reform proposals that are out there. Conversation about. Uh, early voting, same-day registration, automatic voter registration, uh, just, to, just to name a few. And these are things that we could see uh, pass in a Democratic state legislature uh, come 2019. Uh, so I talked to Dustin about that. Uh, also got into a conversation about uh, the primary uh, calendar. Right now, New York uh, has a, a kind of a split primary uh, the federal primary is held in June. The state and local primary is held in uh, early to mid-September, depending on how the calendar falls. And so uh, asked him about the possibility of consolidating that, which is, again, one of the election reform proposals that uh, the legislature will be considering. And uh, so we talked about that. And uh, a question, uh, because I do tweet a lot and write about uh, elections uh, often uh, asked him about uh, you know the, the the method of delivering election results. Uh, how how are those posted? and How it differs from uh, some of the smaller counties. Onondaga County, of course, being one of the larger counties in the state, uh, has uh, a little bit different uh, uh, resources compared to some of the smaller counties. Uh, even here, uh, where I am in Cuga County. Uh, it's different. So a uh, good conversation. Again, it lasts about a half an hour, and so we'll get to that uh, momentarily. But I did want to recap uh, the week so far. Uh, earlier this week, uh, Andrea Stewart-Cousins was elected, uh, or she will be the incoming uh, Senate, major- Senate Majority Leader. Uh, she, she will be the first woman uh, in that post and the first African-American woman uh, to hold that post. So she's a history-making uh, 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 leader uh, in that regard. And so come January, she will be the Senate Majority Leader and leading a conference of at least uh, 38 other members. Uh, could potentially be 39 if Simca Felder, uh, a Democratic state senator who has caucused with the Republicans in the past, uh, does if, if he d- does decide uh, to join the conference, then uh, the Democrats will have a full 40 seat. Uh, they will hold 40 seats uh, in the 63-seat Senate. 
so an impressive uh, total for them. And so Stuart Cousins uh, uh, in that role, uh, that was confirmed this week. Uh, she was unanimously elected uh, by her Democratic colleagues, uh, and so she will be, uh, as expected, uh, the majority leader come January. Uh, on the Assembly side, uh, the Republican minority has reelected Brian Kolb, uh, who is the lone upstate legislative leader. Uh, Brian Kolb will continue as Assembly minority leader. Uh, he has held that post since 2009. He took over for Jim Tedisco, uh, who at the time was uh, ran for Congress. Uh, he uh, stepped down from that seat, and uh, Assembly Republicans installed Kolb, and Kolb has uh, held that seat for the last uh, almost a decade at this point. Uh, and so he will continue in that role. Uh, I actually interviewed him uh, not long before I uh, recorded this podcast, uh, and so you can you can uh, find that interview. Um, uh, it won't be a podcast interview. Uh, I, it'll be a written interview uh, that I'll post uh, later this week uh, on AuburnPub.com. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, and uh, so that was the news. And then finally, uh, something that happened just today, uh, a few hours before recording this podcast, uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo traveled to Washington, a rare trip outside the state for him. Uh, to sit down at the White House with President Donald Trump. Uh, the topic of their uh, lunch meeting uh, was the Gateway Tunnel Project. Uh, to kind of a brief summary of this, because it uh, uh, it's kind of years in the making, uh, there's train tunnels uh, that connect New Jersey and New York City. These are important for services like Amtrak, for example, but also uh, 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 not only commuter trains, but uh, certainly... Uh, more commercial type uh, uh, trains, freight trains, uh, but these uh, tunnels uh, uh, are deteriorating and there's a need to uh, uh, repair, rebuild them, and uh, it's going to cost a significant sum of money, uh, well into the billions of dollars. And three years ago, uh, there was an agreement between New York, New Jersey, and the federal government that the federal government would fund half of the project. Uh, and uh, help uh, uh, build these new tunnels uh, linking uh, New York and New Jersey. Uh, when the Trump administration took over, uh, Trump uh, pulled out of those agreements. Uh, there was some criticism of them from his administration. Uh, Transportation Se Secretary Elaine Chao uh, 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 came out against them, and um, uh, and Trump had, uh, Trump is also. Uh, spoken out against the project, and so uh, that's where things stand at the moment. Uh, there's been no progress on this front, just kind of a federal and state back and forth over uh, who should be responsible for funding it. The state, the states have not, um, uh, you know, have not said that they won't wouldn't pony up any of the money. Uh, in fact, part of the agreement with New, New York and New Jersey was that they would cover the remaining fifty percent. Uh, of the cost of the project. So it's not like they're looking for a handout here, but um, uh, the question is, uh, will the federal government live up to that agreement uh, that was reached a few years ago uh, that the Trump administration has now pulled back on? Uh, that remains to be seen. Um, before I record, as I'm recording this, uh, there is a planned um, uh, 
there is a planned press briefing that uh, Cuomo will hold in New York City uh, not long after I uh, stop recording this. So uh, check AuburnPub.com for the latest on that. Uh, we'll see if there's any new developments uh, on this front and if uh, possibly Trump has reconsidered and uh, will now honor that agreement that was reached uh, a few years ago. Uh, but uh, I'll wrap it up there. Uh, we'll uh, now shift to the interview with Dustin Zarni. Again, he is a Onondaga County uh, Elections Commissioner, and we talked about a few topics, election reform, voting reform, and how uh, elections are administered. Here's that interview. I'm here with Dustin Zarni, the Onondaga, one of the Onondaga County Election Commissioners. Dustin, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Robert, for having me. Appreciate it. So I wanted to start with... Uh, take me through, you know, certainly uh, the election is more than just one night for you sure. as an election commissioner. Uh, so what what's it like, not only the lead up, but the night itself and then the aftermath? Sure, you know, when I got this job, my friends all said, hey, it's a great job, but you only work one day a year. And that's just, <laughs> you know, not, not the case, especially in a bigger county like Onondaga County, we're full-time elections commissioners. And, you know, an election is not just one day. There's getting on the ballot. There's uh, primary elections. An election will have about eight months of lead up to election day itself. And then, of course, we have multiple elections throughout the year. You mm-hmm. have your primaries, you have your school elections, you have your village elections. So we're going all the time and we're, you know, servicing a database of three to 500,000 uh, voters, depending on if you count the inactive voters. So it's a. Uh, um, you know, it's something that we're doing year round. Uh, and, you know, Election Day is obviously our Super Bowl, the, especially the general election in November. And um, it's a long day. Uh, New York State has the longest polling hours in the country uh, from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. Our polls are open, which means that uh, election workers like myself are there at 4 a.m. and they're till midnight mm-hmm. on, on, on any election day, including. And the election inspectors that work the polls are there from 5 a.m. till 10 p.m. So it's it's a very long day. It's a 17-hour day for me. Um, you know, I'm pretty exhausted by the end. I never go out to the parties afterwards because <laughs> we're, we're just tired. Um, you know, and throughout the day, we're just putting out fires. You know, inspectors who don't show up. Uh, polling places that have power outages we've had to deal with. Uh, you have your... Uh, uh, election machines that jam. You have something that, you know, people that may be electioneering inside of a polling place, so you have to go remind them of the rules. You know, these are the kind of things that uh, that we're very busy with all day long. So the, the main reason I wanted to bring you on is to talk about uh, uh, the possibility of some electoral and voting reforms uh, come 2019. Of course, there's a, there's a lot more talk about this now that yeah. uh, Democrats have won uh, the majority of seats in the state Senate. Uh, so this looks like one of their top agenda items come 2019. Um, with, uh, I wanted to start with early voting uh, mm-hmm. because I, I know that you testified recently uh, at an assembly uh, committee hearing uh, and uh, mentioned uh, early voting. Uh, why, why do you think that would be such a good idea to adopt uh, here in New York? And how do you go about, uh, I know that there have been some concerns about uh, the cost and, mm-hmm. and implementation, uh, from a commissioner's standpoint, uh, how do you go about implementing it without those headaches? Well, last year, my caucus, I, I had the uh, 
New York State Elections Commissioner Association Democratic Caucus. So I, in addition to being commissioner, I, I also lead all 62 counties. Uh, and that's why I was able to go down and testify uh, a few uh, weeks ago to the assembly hearing. I've done this just about every year for the last uh, four or five years. Um, but this year is the first year where it looks like we really have a good path that some of these reforms that we want uh, and that we that the, the citizens want, uh, you know, are finally going to be addressed. And last year, the governor made a big push for early voting, uh, put money aside in the budget, in his proposal for the budget for it. Uh, but it was blocked by the New York State Senate. The Assembly was for it. The governor's office was for it. But the Senate Republicans wouldn't even put it up for a vote. And that's been the case for the last six years. Ever since 2012, there's been early voting bills on the floor of the of, of the Assembly that have been passed. And, what you know, some of those bills were good. Some of those bills were, weren't great. Uh, but the merits weren't even discussed on the floors of the Senate. And that's um, been frustrating for those of us who are advocates for reform. And, you know, but in some ways, it, it almost needed to get to the point where it is now. Now that we have not just a unified Democratic Senate, but you also have... Uh, Democratic lawmakers and Democratic commissioners who are coming around to uh, early voting. A lot of the Republicans are still against it, but many of them understand that this is going to happen now. Mm -hmm. And so they're coming to the table with ideas to make it better. And that's, we welcome that um, because, you know, there's no one right solution. But 37 other states already have early voting. We are in the hyper minority of places that only have voting on election day, and we, you know we combine that with a no excuse uh, or with an excuse absentee policy, which you know really limits people's ability to be able to get to the polls, except for on election day, and that is uh, something that in our modern society with people on the go with. Uh, you know, uh, different hours that people work, after school activities for their children. Uh, you know, we have so many constraints on our time right now that one bad thing happens in a day and all of a sudden somebody's disenfranchised because they can't get to that poll. Whereas if they had the option for 10 days, 14 days before an election, they knew who they wanted to vote for, they could show up at a designated place at a time of their own choosing. Sometimes they'll have to wait in line a little bit longer than they would on election day, but they're they're okay with that because it's their choice. They've made they know they have this hour blocked out. They have this half hour blocked out. That they can do this and get it done. Uh, so we're pushing for it. Um, costs is always an issue. Uh, costs for elections. The way we fund elections, where the county seat uh, has to pay for almost all of the election costs. And that's um. Problematic. It is how we do it in New York State. Uh, it's how most states do it. Um, but uh, the governor put in his proposal last year a budget line for early voting. Uh, Senator Kavanaugh's bill, uh, he was in the minority on the Senate. He'll now be the New York State election uh, chair for the Senate. His bill was an interesting proposal. He used the um, unclaimed monetary fund uh, that's out there. All the money that go, remains unclaimed, using part of that to to fund early voting, and that's interesting because it's ongoing. There, there will, that pot will always be there. You don't have to worry about future elections having that not uh, be there. So uh, you know our 
our position as a caucus has always been that it should we should have early voting and that state government should ab- absorb all of the cost or as much as the cost as it can to actually having uh, early voting. How, how would it work and, and how would it uh, be administered at, uh, for example, from your office, uh, what would be required, you know, in terms of having the, uh, I'm assuming the, you know, if it's say uh, eight or 12 days, right. you'd have to set up the inspectors and have, have those folks in line for those days. Uh, sure. Uh, would that be uh, uh, burdensome? Uh, I, I think the, the current bills that are out there are less burdensome than the ones that came back in 2012 or 13. Okay. Uh, because they have population limits. Uh, I think it's for every 50,000 registered voters, you have to have an early voting site. So that means that uh, smaller counties that have, you know, Hamilton County has 14,000 registered voters. You know, mm-hmm. you're not going to make them have the same number of polling sites Onondaga County needs or, or another county sure. needs. So mo- I think 40 of the 62 counties would be able to just use their county board of election office as their early voting site or somewhere, you know, in their county seat. In one place could be their early voting site. Uh, the cost of getting election inspectors is going to be there, you know. I mean, it, it really depends on what bill gets passed. There's been seven-day bills. There's been 10-day bills. There's been 14-day bills. Um, I think most of us that are good government uh, advocates want two weekends of early voting, not just one weekend. Uh, the final weekend and the weekend before uh, Election Day, that seems to be standard throughout the country as, uh, um, you know, as a... Uh, Early voting, uh, you know, uh, you know, kind of, some have more, some have three weeks of early voting, uh, but I think, you know, having those two weekends of early voting is important. Um, and then in Onondaga County, we probably have to identify five to six places where we would, uh, you know, have around the county uh, staff them. Um, you know, it, it wouldn't be from six a.m. to nine p.m. at the, these locations. That's not how the bills have been set up. So it wouldn't be as uh, onerous of getting inspectors that would work it. Um, and we would have, they would have daytime hours for the most part, and then mandatory nighttime hours two, two times during the period and the weekend hours as well. So it's not as, um, because you get to choose when to come in and you have a longer period, they don't make you stay open as long. So um, it's, uh, it's not as onerous as some might think. It's not like just having the election day 14 days in a row. You know, it's, sure. there's, there's a different amount of hours. And at those polling places, you would have either electronic poll books that people could sign in from anywhere and have on-demand printing where they can print their ballot from wherever they live and cast it that day, or have regional centers. So, like, you know, certain towns go to this one, certain towns go to that one, that kind of thing. Um, and... Uh, and they sign into polling books there, and then uh, those poll books are used on election day to make sure people don't vote twice. Uh, you know, and, and there's not really much evidence that that happens in a large amount. Uh, in fact, it's pretty easy to catch. It's pretty easy to prosecute if they do. So it's mm-hmm. uh, um, it's rare that that happens. Um, but you know, you have to have those concerns in place. Uh, that's what the professionals at the boards will be uh, monitoring. One is too about uh, another component of 
uh, these reform proposals as that, that have been discussed is uh, voter registration. Of course, New York has, as you know, uh, some, uh, I think it's fair to say, some bizarre uh, voter registration rules and, and deadlines and, and uh, things that really uh, people have been complaining about for years that uh, they feel kind of impede uh, people from voting. Uh, but um, uh, there's been talk of same-day registration, automatic registration. How do you think these things would, would help uh, with voter turnout and just uh, sure. increasing the voting rolls as a whole? Well, I think it would be automatic voter registration is uh, something I'm incredibly excited for. and it's, I'm also excited because New York could be part of the vanguard instead of waiting for everybody else to do it. Uh, like with early voting, you know, uh, 15 states now have, uh, in this last election, I think four, of those 15 were added by ballot referendum uh, to uh, to uh, become uh, automatic voter registration. And what that would be is that instead of what we have, what's called an opt-in system right now, where somebody has to declare they want to be a registered voter, and you have to do it 32 days before an election, and uh, uh, you know, if it's a primary and you want to be part of a party, you can be. You have to do it a whole year in advance here in New York. With automatic voter registration, you would. When you update your driver's license, you would be automatically registered to vote. If you, in, in some versions, when you uh, paid income tax, uh, Alaska does this. For example, they have the, uh, you know, they pay the citizens of Alaska to be there, and they use that to register them to vote. Uh, so that if you get paid by Alaska to be a citizen there. Uh, you uh, get you get registered to vote. You can use income tax for that as well. Um, so uh, you know there's all kinds of ways to do this. That is not just DMV, although DMV will be the most popular way. Um, and and so that first initial barrier to somebody voting, the registration process, would be eliminated. We all know that people decide that they're going to vote very late in the cycle. You know, mid October. It's past the registration deadline. If they haven't updated their registration, if they um, haven't voted before, and they may be disenfranchised because they waited so long. Here, they'll already be registered. So if they make that choice to vote, they can go out and vote. For the most part, you're always going to have people to slip through the cracks, and that's why people want same-day registration as well. Eleven other states do that. And in many ways, we already do that here in New York uh, with the affidavit ballot system. We register those people. We just don't count their ballots if they're, if they're not registered to vote. So it wouldn't change much of what we're doing. It would just count the ballot. <laughs> you know, these are people who are citizens of the United States. They're verified. Uh, they're not counted on election night, so we have a chance to verify and make sure that they're supposed to uh, cast this ballot. So instead of throwing out their ballots, I had 300 or so ballots of people that showed up on election day this last year that uh, out of 2,000 affidavit ballots, 300 of them we ended up throwing out because they weren't registered to vote at all. Well, if we just changed it, those 300 would count. We already do this. We already have this in place. Uh, so if you paired automatic voter registration and same-day registration, boy, we would have uh, an incredible opportunity to make sure that anybody who wants to vote doesn't have that first barrier to voting. Automatic voter registration is pretty easy. They could pass a law, probably will. Uh, I, I, I think there's a lot of momentum for that. Uh, Same-day registration will take a constitutional lift, so a couple years away. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think that there's uh, some talk about at least getting that started. Mm -hmm. So, um, But uh, these are the, uh, 
those those registrations and removing that initial first barrier that is key to bringing up your voter and when I say turnout I mean in general numbers because you're gonna also probably see your turnout percentages drop but more people will be voting sure. because more people will be eligible so when people say oh these reforms don't in other in other states don't uh, uh, add to turnout percentages. Well, they're not. That, that's kind of a mathematical lie. Their, their usage, early voting, is being used more and more every year. In fact, it had record numbers in a midterm election. We had some people, some states, use their early voting totals more in 2018 than they did in 2016, the presidential year. Uh, so, the usage is through the roof. Um, but you're going to have more eligible voters if you have automatic voter registration. So that kind of, you know, uh, it won't show the turnout percentage. But I will say these other states that do it, they're way ahead of New York when it comes to turnout percentage. Our, our turnout percentage can't go much lower. We're 47 out of 50 states almost every election, sometimes 45 if we have a good year. You know, mm-hmm. I, we'll see what hap- happens this year. But uh, um, and so, you know, making it giving us the ability to to get these people out to the polls uh, is using all these reforms together uh, is is what a lot of our, our, us advocates are, are talking about not just doing one thing as a panacea but you got to do it all change our culture and be able to uh, allow people uh, to vote a lot easier in New York mm-hmm. something something I wanted to ask you about because I I, uh, I think you you might be able to uh, share some insight here uh obviously counties and i I think it uh larger counties i think it's more of a matter of resources but uh say for example onondaga county uh you have one method of of posting results uh and uh uh, i tend to love your system uh uh, (laughs) thank you (laughs) i I, uh i like how it you know breaks it out there's a map there uh it's easy to consume Uh, other counties and i think it's fair to say more smaller counties Uh, maybe it's again. I assume it's a resource thing. Uh, they might post a PDF or something with with the breakdowns. Uh, is is that the is that the only explanation there? Or is it, it, something it really more? that's really where it comes down to. It, 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 go, it comes to the resources of the county government that is hosting the board of elections. Board of elections are hosted by county governments. They rely on their budgets. Uh, they're supposed to give them a reasonable budget to be able to. To their mission, we are independent, you know, but we are also county employees. So it's a weird uh, thing. We're, just like a county legislator is a county employee, you know, mm-hmm. it's a, commissioners are independent, but we're a part of a government. I've been very lucky in Onondaga County. Uh, I've had a Republican county executive forever, but they understood the importance of making sure that our board of elections is uh, modern. In, in in reporting in a modern way. When I got in there in 2013, we were much like Cayuga County and some of these other counties, despite our resources. So I worked with our IT department. We got our new, uh, uh, you know, we have a vendor called Sage Smith that provides those maps. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were one of the first upstate to kind of do that, uh, you know, in other places that are now starting to do that. Um, and, uh, in, in, you know, and the current county exec has indicated that, you know, we're, that this is an important, Department, and we're going to continue to to be able to do these things. The the IT department of our our county has been wonderful. They've uh, they've really 
worked with us when I had some crazy idea that we wanted to do. And, and we've also worked with them when they wanted us to get off their mainframe system. We found a vendor that could do that and bring that in. So uh, we've been, uh, you know, we, we, we've, we have an ability to do that. Uh, we've had an ability to change. So uh, it's new, <laughs> you know, for us. Uh, we, a lot of our reporting was the same exact reporting that you see in Cuba mm-hmm. and other counties. Um, so as technology advances and becomes cheaper for these smaller counties, maybe they can do that as well. But it is, and this is where I go back to, maybe we need to really have a good talk over the next four to five years about how we fund elections in New York State. Colorado, for example, uh, their state government reimburses the county governments for the state offices that run on their ballots and for the state props that run on their ballots, like so much per ballot, you know, mm-hmm. in, in, in depending on how many ballots are cast. And that's a, a, you know, that's a big thing for Colorado, which has some of the most progressive laws, even though a Republican state or a, a purple state, but some of the most progressive voting laws in the country, they've been able to do that because there's been a state funding. And that, by the way, that was initiated by a Republican Secretary of State, you know, and a Republican governor at the time initiating this state funding. So it's bipartisan. It's not, it doesn't have to be partisan. Sometimes we do that here in New York and other places as well. But, you know, the states that have enacted voting reforms first were, you know, was Texas. Mm-hmm. Texas isn't the most progressive state. 30 years ago, they decided they wanted to start looking towards early voting, and they were one of the first state, states that, uh, that passed it. You know, it took a while, but they got it done. Uh, you know, and, and, and they used it the most. So um, there's, a, there's a lot of room out there to, for New York State to ki- come in and help county governments, uh, you know, and not, um, you know, not take over the function of the county boards of elections, but provide the funding to allow them to do their job, which serves them as a whole as well. And we do have a great New York State Board of Elections that has been uh, helpful to as many counties as possible. Uh, you know, uh, and, that, and you know, we have a centralized vote, voter registration data now that people can go to one place to find out. You don't have to go to each individual 62 counties, but it's secure so it can't get infected and hurt, so it keeps our security pretty safe. So we do some good things in New York, um, but we could fund it a little bit better. Uh, I want to ask you about uh, an, uh, another topic, certainly election-related, uh, uh, the primaries. And, yeah. and with, uh, uh, I can remember uh, two years ago, 2016, we had the pres- <laughs> presidential, I'm sure this was a nightmare oh, was situation, a nightmare. Yeah. Uh, presidential in April, uh, the federal primary in June, mm-hmm. uh, state and local in September, and then of course the general election in November. Uh, you know, there's been, uh, the idea would be to merge the federal and the state and local, have one consolidated primary. Are you hopeful that that's going to happen, yeah. and how would that help uh, I, the local BOEs? I think it, I think it's going to happen. And it almost has to happen for early voting and some of these other things. Mm -hmm. Because having a primary in September and then a general in November, uh, there's just not enough time. Ballots aren't finished until Supreme Court justices get selected, which are two weeks after the primary. And uh, then we have court cases after that. I mean, we ran into that this year uh, in in Onondaga County and and a lot of other counties. Uh, We we had a statewide ballot change that happened uh, 
27 days before the election, which was after, five days after many people already sent out their absentee ballots. So it's, uh, um, you know, the the June primary is something that my caucus has uh, pushed. It's something that Republicans and Democrats agree on having at least just one primary mm-hmm. for when it comes to elections commissioners. My association, uh, the Elections Commissioner Association, bipartisanly came out in 2012 and said we should have a June primary uh, good government groups said it should have a June primary. Judge Gary Sharp, who issued the federal primary, said it should be a June primary. And again, only the Republicans in the Senate wanted an August primary instead of a June primary. And August doesn't really fix the calendar's issues. Plus, people are on vacation, and and you know there's logistical issues to holding polling locations in the middle of summer. Many of them don't have air conditioning. Can you imagine our election inspectors yeah. who are on the elderly side, having to be in there for 13 hours on, during a heat wave. You know, that, that these are things that are that could be problematic. So uh, June primary makes the most sense. The late June primary, the schools are out, but the people haven't left. The schools are available for polling places uh, a lot better than in September. I believe the schools would love us to move to the June primary because then school students wouldn't be in attendance. And... Um, I think, you know, I, it's hard to predict the New York State Legislature, even with, <laughs> you know, and we really haven't had this kind of democratic government since 1913 uh, to have these kind of majorities. Uh, so I don't know how it's going to work, um, but I have a feeling that early voting in the June primary are going to be things that are moved on very early in January if they want them enacted for 2019. They have to. Because it moves everything. It moves petitioning. Petitioning usually happens in June. Now it's going to happen in March. That's going to be hard in central New York, but we've been doing that already for Congress you yeah. know, every two years. So we're used to it. Uh, you know, but, uh, but, but more importantly, the people who want to run for office have to know when they're going to declare. Yeah. You know, they have to know, you know now they have till April, May. You know, now it's like February, March. And... If we find out in early January they're doing this, that's a, you know, the incumbents are fine, <laughs> you know, sure, but sure. but uh, but challengers are you know, or open seats are going to become, uh, you know, and so you're going to have a year of um, of uh, adjustment, but I'd rather have that year of adjustment in 2019 than 2020, you know, in the heat of a presidential primary, a presidential election. Uh, congressional elections that I think 2020 is going to make 2018 look like a, you know, a, a walk in the park in terms of uh, a, a fury and uh, voter, uh, you know, uh, in, involvement, which is great. But to try to change the way we even do elections, you know, and when we do elections, we really should do this in 2019 and get it, rip that mandate off. And in change because it's going to be better. You know, New York State has the oldest, the longest, uh, um, period or the shortest period between primary and general election of anywhere in the state. We're in violation of the federal military overseas voter act, which is why we have to hold a separate congressional primary in June, uh, and then a local one in 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 uh, September. So it, it's beyond time. We've been doing it for six years. We waste $50 million every two years. Want to talk about the money we spend in elections? Well, there's money we can save. If we move the June primary and add uh, early voting, it's about a wash. You know? So, uh, and it's better for the voters. So, those are things that we could really uh, 
And I think there's bipartisan support for at least doing it in one day. And I think now with a unified Democratic government, we're going to see eventually that June primary is going to happen. Uh, of course, as soon as we get done with this podcast, I'll probably announce something different. But, uh, you know, uh, you know. so with the caveat that it's the New York State Legislature, you never know uh, what's going to happen there. Sure. With the If there is a consolidate, one of the things about the primaries now is that for most places, uh, the window to vote is noon to 9 p.m. Yeah. There is an exit in New York City, and there's a, kind of a smattering of other counties yeah, so that, that have a, a 6 a.m. to a 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. window. Um, if if it's consolidated, if you have the federal with the state and local, should that period be extended for all? You know, um, I'm of two minds on that. Uh, I usually, it's confusing to voters to have two different uh, sets of polls. Like, thank God we all end at the same time. So sure. that, yeah. there's a, the, let, let, let's uh, be thankful for small miracles there. But because uh, um, those states that have the the uh, um, the timeline goes through them, and they once one part you know closes an hour later, and then results are coming out while people are voting. That's just bad. We don't have that. I would like to say that you know it should be equitable to um, citizens of every county to have the same polling hours. That being said, most primaries, most primaries, are ridiculously low voter turnout. Um, just. Except for presidential primaries, even the congressional primary that broke all kinds of records in the twenty fourth, this last time, still only like twenty four percent turnout. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, or you know, it was eighteen percent turnout. It was double yeah. what it was in two thousand sixteen. But eighteen percent turnout, we can handle that noon tonight. You know, maybe have, upstate New York may not need that uh, thing. What I would like is the counties to be able to choose. That that would be better. You know allow right now you have to get the legislature to allow the county to choose maybe the election commissioners you know should be able to choose whether it's noon to nine or you know or or the county legislature or something like that but then again then you're allowing partisans to make choices on elections and that's something that uh, we've avoided in new york and it's something that is good about new york uh elections so uh i i definitely think that presidential primaries, which are higher turnouts, we should definitely see a, uh, a longer day. I think that should be uniform throughout the state, and that should be 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. But the local primaries or the congressional primaries, I'm not so sure that needs to move, but I'm open to the idea. Well, Dustin, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you. That was Dustin Zarney, the Onondaga County Elections Commissioner. I appreciate uh, him uh, coming out, uh, he actually came out to Auburn on a, on a rather snowy day, uh, so appreciate uh, him taking the time to make the trip and uh, sitting down with me to discuss uh, all things elections. Uh, and uh, I think it was interesting with the uh, just getting his insight on uh, what it's like being an elections commissioner and, and being part of the board of elections. Uh, I think there's a misconception that. Uh, you know, they just kind of sit around uh, until November, and that's when uh, they do a bulk of their work. But uh, there's clearly more to it uh, than that. Uh, and as we heard from him, uh, it certainly is a, a year-round job. But uh, I'll wrap it up there uh, for this edition of the I in New York podcast. Uh, we'll be back next week, hoping to get uh, uh, another interview uh, similar to this week. Uh, so we'll see if I can uh, work that out. 
Uh, But again, thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you next time.